are now tuning in to the Mind Body Podcast, where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lidor Dayan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mind Body Podcast. I'm your host, Lidor Dayan. And lately, I had lots of people in my podcast through lots of industries, from fitness to spiritual to wealth and many more. In today's episode, my guest and I discussed about one of the major topics in the fitness field that a big portion of people around the world deal with, which is diabetes. My guest today is Philip Graham. Phil suffers from type 1 diabetes and spends a considerable amount of time helping other people living with diabetes overcome obstacles and get the most out of life especially when it comes to fitness, muscle building, and fat loss. Philip is one of UK's leading fitness educators and coaches. Phil educates thousands of personal trainers each year through his seminars, workshops, and attendance at some of the world's largest health and fitness exhibitions. He has recently published a muscle building and fat loss fitness book for people living with diabetes, which calls the Diabetes Muscle and Fitness Guide. So if you have a diabetes or you have someone close to you that has, this interview is a must for them. So without further ado, let's begin the interview. Hey Phil, how are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm great, Lidor. Thank you very much for having me on. It's good to have you on my podcast. Thank you very much for your time uh, being on my show. So um, I would like uh, to start uh, with a little bit about your own background, how you got into fitness, and if you could please share with us. Yeah, no problem at all. I got into fitness when I was around about 16 years of age. At 16, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and I automatically had to make a lifestyle choice to put fitness and nutrition and lifestyle management at the very forefront of my human values. So I stepped out to learn all I could about the human body, about nutrition, about physiology, about diabetes. And I literally became obsessed about learning all this information because I knew it was going to help me. And the more information I acquired, the more knowledge I picked up, the better my diabetes control was. And during that time, I fell in love with the gym. I fell in love with lifting weights. And I began to see a lot of physical benefits, mental benefits, and obviously the control of my diabetes. So. This was a massive area for me to get stuck into with my life and put a lot of energy into. And fast forward now 10, 11, 12 years, I have competed all over the world as a junior bodybuilder. I was very successful in my junior years when I was first diagnosed. I made a career out of it. I went and studied nutrition at university, clinical nutrition, exercise physiology, and then went from that into um, working within the fitness industry, working within the health industry, and then actually leaving the health industry full-time to pursue a career in fitness where I've coached uh, the guts of thousands of people now in relation to healthy body composition, redesign, educated a lot of personal trainers, written for a lot of magazines, a lot of media and stuff like that. I've done a lot of different aspects around Northern Ireland and the UK. 
And now I've just recently published a book on diabetes about all the aspects of fitness, nutrition, health, mindset, and diabetes medication itself. So diabetes was a, a adversity in disguise for me in the sense that it drove me towards something great. It drove me towards a career. And I now get to help a lot of people. I manage my diabetes perfectly well. And it's something that I learn about and I educate about every single day. So I enjoy that thoroughly. And that's what makes up most of my time now. I travel a lot. I speak a lot. I've got a lot going on with the whole diabetes aspect of things. The book is called The Diabetic Muscle and Fitness Guide. And like I said, I launched it in October last year, and that's gone to all different corners of the globe. So it's been absolutely amazing knowing that, you know, that, that disease at the start was the, the starting point for everything to come. And, you know, I'm actually very grateful for it. And I know that's quite a strange thing to say, but, you know, without diabetes, I wouldn't be talking to you today. I wouldn't be involved in anything to do with the fitness industry. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for that. And I mean, we can talk on all aspects of that because each and every person listening is going to know someone living with diabetes. They have a friend, a family member, or they will actually have diabetes themselves. And the information on diabetes is incredibly limited. Not many people have access to it. All the information out there is generic. It's very bland. There's not much to it. So I set out to really distinguish between high quality, useful, practical information that people could use. And in that, you know, I've, I've taken so many people that are wanting to transform their bodies, build muscle, lose fat, and inspired them with hope, motivation, clarity, principles, and a whole host of different things to really allow them to achieve their goals. So we can talk on all aspects of that, my man. Okay, it's really amazing uh, to, to hear what uh, just one event, event uh, made in your life. Like a lot of people that uh, as diabetes take it like, oh my God, diabetes. And you actually shift it. You add a better meaning to it. And it really made you more hungry for uh, answers to know how to, to make sure that you use this diabetes and still have your dreams and uh, do whatever it takes. So it's, it's really amazing. Personally, I have a sister yeah. with diabetes that uh, was diagnosed when you, she was about nine years old. She was really, really skinny. And uh, if they w- was not uh, able uh, to, to know it, uh, then she won't be here today because it was really like doctors didn't know it's diabetes. And now she have, uh, you know what, the, the thing you put on your, yourself instead of just... Uh, yeah. Doing pump, yeah. yeah so now she has this so she don't have to to do it like three days three times a, a, in a day so yeah, from your own experience for me was I, I had a choice you know um, the language that the doctor was using at the time was using words like may could possibly mm-hmm. and there was no definite and you know from that I took out a lot of faith in the sense that right okay it's my responsibility to look after this and I'm gonna do all I can to ensure that The quality of my life and I think it's very easy to play the victim I think it's very easy to uh, you know have a pity party but the reality is you stop living whenever you feel like that and that was a big thing for me in the sense that right okay I don't want to live like that I don't want to do that and I you know I needed the option and, the, and had the discipline to pursue learning and everything else that there was involved with managing diabetes and was were you always like that or it's something that came from family yeah. that always pushed you and told you the, uh, certain stuff 
no, I, I was always like that. I mean, I didn't want to. I didn't want to face the complications of diabetes. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to live a a very substandard life. And I mean, if you don't look after diabetes, diabetes can be very problematic for your health mm. in the sense that it, you know, will most certainly end your life quicker and give you a ton of complications that are very miserable to live with. So I didn't want to have that and. I set out to protect myself against that. Okay, so from your own journey, and you have a lot of uh, experience uh, through the years, uh, what do you think is uh, the main things uh, diabetes people need to, to really make sure when you're, they're trying to build muscle uh, and they have diabetes? So like if they're trying to, to they start to work out and their nutrition, what uh, you need to make sure? Well, I think the most important thing is to dispel a couple of myths. I mean, a lot of people seem to think that because somebody takes insulin, they are automatically going to be a better bodybuilder. They're going to build more muscle because they associate people taking insulin in professional bodybuilding. The reality is somebody who's diabetic produces no insulin, and insulin is an anabolic hormone in the sense that it is involved in transporting fuels into cells for storage, for energy, and for growth. And... The reality is whenever that hormone is missing, the body cannot store fuels appropriately, it cannot build certain tissues appropriately, and there is a lack of energy, there is an energy deficit. So as a result of that, the body has to find alternative ways and means to get fuel to the body. So complete lack of insulin leads to hyperglycemia, which is high blood glucose, and the reality with high blood glucose is that there's a lot of amino acids burnt off, there's a lot of ketones produced, and the blood becomes very acidic. So it's a very unhealthy environment for somebody to live in. And it's a very important distinction that I want to make clear is that diabetic ketoacidosis or ketones that are involved in the blood with diabetes is a completely different and unique state to ketosis that would typically be associated with a low-carbohydrate diet. Mm -hmm. So the environment is just simply not right. And as a result of that, building muscle becomes very problematic and hard to do. Okay, so an individual with diabetes that is poorly controlled will struggle to build muscle if they do not look after their blood glucose. So the number one thing that I stress in my book, The Diabetic Muscle and Fitness Guide, and throughout my members' website is to obsess over perfect control. You have to go out of your way to know what foods, know what lifestyle circumstances, stress, medications, time of the year, time of the day, influences blood glucose levels and learn to respond appropriately, respond appropriately by dosing the right amount of corrective insulin or manipulating your diet in favor. And whenever it comes to just starting out with diabetes, it's very important that you keep variables as consistent as possible. Nutrition is kept as consistent as possible. Activity is kept as consistent as possible. Stress, medication, and from that, measurements can be made. And once those measurements are made, then the individual is allowed to make individual adjustments and requirements whenever they go to manipulate their diet reintake or their training regime. So. Most people with diabetes, they, they don't realize the importance of being consistent and they jump from one diet to another, to another, to another, to another. And the problem is that they can never pinpoint how much insulin they need to take or what they actually need to do in order to have stable, rock solid blood glucose levels. So it's absolutely essential that somebody with diabetes goes out of the way to monitor intake before meals, after meals, during meals, right the whole way through to before exercise, during exercise, after exercise, middle of the night, 
you know, it's a big, big challenge and a massive responsibility. But at the end of the day, there's nothing else you can do about it. You have to take ownership of the condition. And over time, when you begin to know your body by taking the right samples at the right time, what is going to happen is you're going to be able to know when certain foods will increase blood glucose levels, certain circumstances, certain environmental conditions, and you will know quickly how to resolve those. So that's the most important thing for people with diabetes, in my opinion, whenever they're first diagnosed. On top of that, getting accountable with a really good quality health professional or good quality information that's evidence-based and that looks into all the different concepts of type 1 diabetes or type 2 and basically relates that to everyday life. So that's a, a very important thing. It's, it's like what you said, it's uh, taking ownership and uh, commitment uh, from yourself because there are many, many people with diabetes or any other thing they have that always try to avoid taking their own responsibility. So they put uh, maybe their, their issue on uh, a doctor or somebody, but nobody will know your body better than yourself, right? So you got to own it and uh, really understand like you did you master this for years and you try to really know because there are many doctors and many doctors will say to you uh, their own perspective but this is your body so you gotta master this if you have an issue or something so you need to know your body more than anybody else yeah and i mean you know the healthcare professionals are great they play an essential role in you know, improving the quality of health, but they can't look after everyone on an individual basis. And that's why we see things with like BMI and a whole host of other measures that a lot of people in the fitness industry, you know, like turn their nose up at. But realistically, how many people are walking into the hospital shredded, that train four to five times a week, that do all these things? The answer is not many. So they have to base it off very average algorithms and statistics and stuff to you know really be able to come up with some valid strategies i mean you know i I, i'm a an absolute minority within the diabetic population and i'm aware of that so it's very important that somebody living with diabetes doesn't compare themselves to me straight off i mean i went to university studied for you know seven plus years i still read every day i work within the health and fitness industry i've coached people so i needed to understand the body and as a result of that, I was able to anticipate my blood glucose control much better than the average person living with diabetes. Mm-hmm. But like I said, get accountability. Learn your stuff from a credible source. I mean, these are all important things you got to be doing, man. Yeah, there is a, such a lot of combination. Like you said, it's like... Uh you need to have good training then you need to to know your nutrition but if your nutrition is good and training but you're stressed so it's it's a lot of combination but you can have like two or three things that's really good and then one thing is not good so how can you make sure that uh, you still balance it well what i like to do is i look and ask why is my blood glucose behaving a certain way and i always identify right how much insulin did I take? What food did I take? Why did it go like that? Is there a particular reason? And then I reflect on it and then I look to improve upon that the next time round. And it's about asking good quality questions. If you do not ask good quality questions, you are going to run into a lot of trouble. And the reality is most people do not ask good quality questions. And that is a huge, huge problem. And how, you know, how much do you think I, like stress is uh, something that's really uh, important in this 
Yeah, well, stress is going to increase blood glucose levels and, you know, the number one problem with people with diabetes is they produce no insulin so they can't bring their blood glucose levels back down. So the reality is if you're stressed, then yeah, you're going to increase your blood glucose levels and increase your risk of poor management. But the reality is you can combat stress by injecting insulin, but not everyone understands the effects of stress. And when you haven't eaten any carbohydrate, which is what you're typically taught and informed in on your upon your first diagnosis, is the fact that stress will increase your blood glucose levels and it may need to be accounted for with a dose of insulin okay mm-hmm. so you may need to counteract that and a lot of people don't know how they don't know when and, and, they, and they just leave it so you know those are certain aspects that need to be respected and if we look at the fat loss like a lot of people trying to get uh, really shredded and lean so is it something that uh, you, you got to be aware when you're trying to lean down, especially for like men, they're trying to lean like to six to eight percent or for women to about 15 or 16 percent when they have diabetes? Yeah, it's definitely something you need to be aware of, because the reality is whenever you take an exogenous hormone such as insulin, you have the increased potential of hypoglycemia, low blood glucose, which consequently needs to be rectified by taking glucose and calories. And sometimes those glucose and calories are not always available in the form of straight glucose. Sometimes they may be available in the form of a muffin, a chocolate bar, whatever is available in the shop or the office at the particular time. And as a result of that, there can be an awful lot more calories ingested, which in turn hinders an individual's ability to put themselves into a calorie deficit. And as a result of that, may slow fat loss if the hypoglycemic episodes were to reoccur over and over and over again. And again, also there's impairments in performance whenever somebody is having a hypoglycemic episode. And the result of that is going to be impaired exercise performance. If we have impaired exercise performance, we cannot stimulate our muscle fibers to the best possible potential. And we can also not expend calories both during and after the exercise event. So there are multiple things to be taken into consideration there. Mm-hmm. And, and if we look at uh, the training aspect, do you believe like uh, diabetes people need to be aware of certain stuff when you're trying to train or like they need maybe a, a different uh, rep ranges than most people? Or No, not necessarily. I just think that, you know, you should be looking to control with a normal blood glucose level. You shouldn't be looking to control with a high blood glucose level or a very low blood glucose level because both are going to have repercussions. A high blood glucose level is going to basically impair performance, dehydrate you and burn off muscle tissue the higher you get. A low blood glucose level is going to freak your central nervous system out and you're going to lose a lot of strength and coordination which could lead to a fall, which could lead to a trip, which could lead to a lifelong injury. So those are you know, very, very concise, straight to the point bits of information on diabetes and training. Mm-hmm. And if we look at the nutrition aspect, like I, I want to know what's your opinion about uh, intermediate fasting? Yeah, I personally intermittent fast, and I mean, we got to look at the context of type 1 or type 2, but in the context of type 2, it's a smaller eating window for people, and as a result of that, they are tending to eat less calories. When they tend to eat less calories, yes, they will reverse obesity. When they reverse obesity, they will reverse the complications that are commonly associated with that. And an individual with type 1, intermittent fasting may be slightly more challenging the reason for that is quite simply because the individual is taking a drug exogenous insulin 
when they take exogenous insulin then that has the potential to drive blood glucose down and impair the ability to intermittent fast and as a result render it ineffective so that is you know some some pretty important stuff but if we look at the ratio of like uh, the windows you can't eat so for a guy with uh, diabetes the type 1 diabetes how long should he wait until he start to eat again well that, that that depends on level of muscle mass level of activity how much circulating insulin they were taking there's a there's a range of factors there that need to be taken into consideration to give anyone a definite time and that's going to be highly 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 individual mm-hmm. and what's what's your take on uh, supplements because a lot of in the fitness industry there's a lot of like ah oh, you need these supplements creatine this 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 and this so uh, when we look yeah, at I mean, when, it, when it comes to supplements I mean keep it very very simple good quality fish oil to ensure you're getting all the essential uh, fatty acids uh, if you're vegan or something like that using a high quality branched chain amino acid product if you are not vegan I don't personally see the need for whey protein on top of that um, some vitamin D depending on what part of the world you live in magnesium supplementation creatine is great provided your kidneys are healthy it can certainly help increase exercise performance it can certainly help um, but this is supplements you are you say like more for diabetes people or like for overall people both um, the only consideration there like I said is with uh, diabetes and creatine is if there's kidney issues diabetes and protein if there's kidney issues somebody may need to limit their intake But the reality is, you know, the research is pretty clear. High-protein diets do not harm your kidneys. If somebody has a high level of body fat, their strength training, protein is going to be very beneficial in recuperating muscle tissue, offsetting appetite, and, you know, actually being, you know, quite thermogenic in nature because it burns a lot of energy in the digestion of it. So it's going to work beautifully as a, uh, a fat-burning, muscle-building mm-hmm. food. And you said fish oil, a lot of people that uh, uh, buy fish oil, they don't really aware of what is a quality fish oil to not really quality fish oil. Can you please explain to the people? Yeah, well, just ensuring that the fish oil has got good quality EPA and DHA in it. They're the essential fatty acids that are going to be essential for human health. So again, looking at the EPA DHA ratios is important. And animal uh, sources of uh, fish oil or animal sources of um, omega-3s tend to be a lot more biologically available than plant sources which tend to be slightly harder to convert and rely upon a host of different factors that we'll not go into but when it comes to fish oil make sure again it's what's what's a good ratio it's a good quality brand Um, depending on where you are in the world there'll be various different types but you know good fish oil costs good money and you know like things like cod liver oil and stuff are great but they will tend to have extra vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin E and K added in. And again, you have to be you know, aware that you're not going to uh, you know, go over the top with those particular vitamins in case you cause fat, fat toxicity levels. So those are important things to consider. But, but you, when you said the, like, the ratio needs to be around like what? Like they have 200 milligrams or? It really, de- it really depends. I mean, that's highly individual um, statuses. It really depends. Um, on the whole thing but generally a bit of gram a day is perfect okay 
And next, I, I want to talk to you about uh, increasing your energy because energy is uh, is life. And if you don't have energy, it will really uh, be uh, hard for you to to get along the day and do the stuff you want to do. So, how do you make sure you have a lot of energy and vitality? Um, for me personally, I make sure that my day is planned and structured and that I'm living my life according to my highest values. And those highest values will be things that revolve around stuff that inspires me and motivates me and allows me to generate an income and also helps other people. So that's how I make sure I do stuff. I respect the fact that you know less is often more whenever it comes to exercise and I make sure that I take adequate recovery and I take time off. Um, I make sure that I don't overtrain. I make sure I get my sleep. I make sure I respect my nutrition. Um, I manage my stress effectively. All of those particular things are kept in mind. Because uh, I, I will do like because the, the the average people like see it as a lot of activities. Like oh my god, I need to do this, 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 is this. So how do you balance it and make it really easy for you and, and not too over complex that you get yourself overwhelmed? Well, it normally helps to have a mentor or somebody guiding you through a process of where you want to go in life depending on what goal that may be. That will save you a lot of time, energy, and money. Um, on top of that as well, making sure that you're planned and you're structured and you actually have plans. And there are so many people in the world that don't actually have structure or planning to their overall life or their day. Mm -hmm. And the reality is their day ends up getting fulfilled or filled up with low-quality tasks that could be delegated to somebody else that waste a lot of time and energy and effort and never really allow the individual to get enough work done and in fact overwhelms them in the grand scheme of things which can prove very very stressful so that's the, the main response to that mm -hmm. and like uh, <laughs> if we look at the day in your life do you like uh, you schedule it by categories of improvement like okay this area is for my relationship family my body and each day you are thinking about what's my most important out outcome for the day? Yeah, I mean, I have a set of goals in my life that relate to all the particular different areas of my life, and I make sure that I fulfill something in the day and time that I have to achieve that. So if I'm procrastinating or I'm doing something, I will always say to myself, right, what could I be doing at this moment in time to fulfill that goal. No, I can't do that now, right? What else could I do? No, I can't do that now, right? What else could I do? You could do that. Yes, I could do that. And it's a matter of going from decision to decision because sometimes you may not be in the mood to do something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you may not have enough energy or resources to do something. And you need to be able to manipulate, you need to be able to maneuver, maneuver your, your strategy and your day-to-day -day tactics to be able to achieve that. Mm -hmm. Like not everything's always gonna go your way. When you, let's say, uh, when you start to write your book, did you have some times that you procrastinate, like writing yeah. the book? Okay, well, so, so how did you overcome I mean, it? I think, well, I mean, I think uh, in terms of overcoming it was self-belief and, again, listening to the people that I was writing the book for and looking for the demand for it. So I went to the market first and I looked and said, right, there's nothing that exists here. This is what I'm going to bring as my level of service and I'm going to do it well. And that is the most important thing. Instead of just creating it and then deciding what to do with it later. I knew that there was a need for my book and that need was going to be served by me because I have all the knowledge and experience required to write the book and in turn deliver it to people in a way and mean that was going to improve the quality of their life. So as a result of that, 
I produced it. Self-belief, disciplined thought, you know, having a structured schedule, all of those things are absolutely essential. And where, when can, uh, where can people find your book if they want to, to have it? You can get my book on diabeticmuscleandfitness.com. You can also get it on Amazon. You can also get it on uh, Barnes and Noble and all those other bookstores as well. So there's, there's plenty of um, resources to get it. That's great. It's amazing. Uh, another question I always love to ask uh, the people I interview is, what is the legacy you would like to live long after you want to be here? The legacy that I would love to leave is to make people realize that they have the potential to achieve anything that they want in life, that they attach too many labels to things, see too many things in a one-sided way, and realize that the universe operates in love in the sense that everybody has a mission to serve, a purpose to give, and there's love in the chaos and everything that we do. I mean, like I said, the diabetes was a perfect example for me. I mean, I'm grateful for diabetes. Um, I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for diabetes. So looking at your situations, reflecting upon them, using them to your advantage and letting them be your story. I mean, that's the most important thing. I think sometimes like uh, when things are not going the way you want it to go and even worse, it makes you more of a person, makes you more of, of uh, you have more sense of giving and it drives you to do more than what you ever expected from yourself. So I really want to thank you for your time again and uh, for all the information that you share with us. And where thank can we find you? Uh, you can find me on diabeticmuscleandfitness.com, search me up on Facebook, search me up on uh, my own podcast, on iTunes. There's a host of ways to get in touch with me. Phil-Graham.com is another one of my websites. And yeah, there's, there's so many ways to get in touch. Okay, so th thanks again, Phil. And thank you, Lidore, for having me. I know how much time these podcasts take, so thank you for going to the effort of putting this together. If you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the Mind Body Podcast, feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body Podcast? So remember the FAST factor. The FAST factor stands for 1. Facebook Become a part of the MindBody Podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the MindBody Podcast community. Number 2. Act Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. 3. Subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or if you're visual like me, then just search the MindBody Podcast on YouTube. And number four, train others. Because just like I always say, leaders create leaders, and you're all here to grow together. And by training others, you're training yourself. So this is the fast factor. Remember it. Facebook, act, subscribe and train others.
Poe. And please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your VAC senses. And the VAC senses stands for visual, auditory and kinesthetic. Which when you use all the three combined, you remember stuff much better. For more information about my coaching, public speaking and taking your mind and body to all new levels, check my site at lidodayan.com. Till then, never, ever forget to smile. See you soon.